Lecture Mafia. I'm ready. All right. Hello, Internet. It's the, hey. It, it's the Uncultured Saints. Um, <laughs> if, if you're still with us, um, first, God bless you. Um, but, but also, you know that uh, I'm Pastor Goodman from Mount Calvary Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas. And joining me this day is... Keep it going. I gotta go close the door. <laughs> Your professionalism, as always, astounds me. Uh, that, that's Pastor Eli Leetzow from Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Um, he can't hear me yet. We said a lot of we said really nice things about you while you were gone. Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Internet. Glad you're with us. How you been? Is in Harris. Yeah. I've been all right. I've been great. Yeah. yeah. It's been a, it's yeah. You know. Who doesn't love online church? Me. Me doesn't love uh, online church. You don't? No. Um, is, there a way to, is there a way to say it's not church? Uh, I, I, I think there's very much... <laughs> the word is the word. But I don't know that you can have a church without an incarnation. And I don't know that you can have an incarnation without people actually being near each other. Oh, a stupid Lutherans and, and actually having to... Having to need tangible, touchy, tasty, feely sorts of things. Isn't it a great thing to know that God has actually promised to be with you, not just sort of in the ether, but like in the sacraments? It's mysticism is so overrated. I mean, I understand the appeal when you're having a good day, that that you can feel God in your heart when you don't have to wake up early and put on pants. But at the same time, um, the problem with the the idea that God is in your heart when you feel good uh, is that when you need him the most, he's always the farthest away. I I like my God who's actually promised to be uh, in bread and wine, in water, in words, so that when I actually do really need him, I know where to look. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's something, I mean, I don't even know why we're talking about this now. It's crazy tangent, people. We'll get to a parable at some point. Don't worry. Don't you guys worry. Uh, no, but it's real. Uh, for, for for me personally at Wheat Ridge, uh, you know, we did what we had to do, what almost every other congregation uh, on the planet had to do, especially within the LCMS, specifically speaking. Um, and But we, we made a change, you know, and I know some congregations couldn't and uh, for whatever reasons, but... We made that change from from divine service to, to matins, and and one of the reasons was, yeah, you know, let's let's make sure that we know in every way, shape, and form that this isn't this isn't the same. I like that. There's something different here. I like that. There's something different. Yeah, yeah. You're allowed to say it. It's it's God is still a, a merciful God. He will preserve us in this, but like also this this isn't ideal. It's it's the way. The way in which uh, the exiles, right, the the remnant up in Babylon, right. those Babylonian exiles, they were they were still the church, they were still the remnant, they were still being called that by uh, the prophets of their day, by by Yahweh Himself, and yet they all sat there yearning for Jerusalem, yearning for the temple, saying, "No, no, no, it's this isn't how it should be." Yes, God's with us, but this isn't how it should be. Right. We need to get back to the temple. Right. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. When everybody's going to be listening to this, uh, the, the co- corona is going to be a distant, distant memory with no effects that ripple through. Right? Right, just like when they shot that gorilla. <laughs> Rest in peace, Harambe. 
That was that was four years ago, I know, guys. That sparked, you didn't that know. sparked all of this. I'm convinced. <laughs> it's like the butterfly effect, but with dead gorillas. Um, yeah. No, you know what it. You know what? Oh, you know what it is. It's that movie uh, Outbreak. Not Outbreak. Six. Uh, Twelve Monkeys. Frozen Two. Did what are we doing? No, Twelve. I said Twelve <laughs> oh, Monkeys. Okay. Did you say? Did you see Twelve I Monkeys? I didn't see Twelve Monkeys. I only saw Eleven. Oh, it's Brad. It's Brad Pitt, and it's uh, and it's uh, um, Bruce Willis, okay. and it's a it's about a worldwide pandemic that d- destroys the world, and it turns out it destroys the world uh, because of well, they think it's because of a bunch of uh, uh, animal lovers, hence the Twelve Monkey, mm. the Army of the Twelve Monkeys. Okay, is somebody told me this was because somebody ate an undercooked bat? Pathetic. That's probably the same. Yeah. It was prophetic. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to. It's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Don't eat. Don't eat undercooked <laughs> bats. Understood. No, not not that. No, I wasn't saying oh. that. I was saying that, uh, that Bruce Willis and uh, is prophetic. Bruce Willis ate an movie. undercooked bat. Yeah. All right. Let's keep okay. going. <laughs> All right. Parable of the persistent widow, or otherwise known as Parable of the unjust judge. Ooh. Ooh. Are you foreshadowing? One, one or the other, or both at the same point in time. You want to read it? It's uh, Luke 18, 1 through 8. You want to read that? Or are Good. Hear the word of the Lord. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so it's quite obvious, right, that this is uh, this is about prayer and all the ways that we can convince God to listen to us. Right. right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I have Good. read the Bible verse where it says he only helps the popular kids. Um, there is more. Re- the Lord helps the, uh, those who help themselves. Right. There is more rejoicing in heaven over ninety-nine righteous people on the prayer chain than over one sinner who cries to Him in need. Is that is that how it goes? Yeah, that one's somewhere in the oh, back. Okay, that's probably wrong. Yeah. I don't think that's right. <laughs> no, um, this this is kind of the logical way that we want to kind of go with this, though, right? Because we do see this persistent. This persistent widow, as as even maybe the, the subtitle uh, gives to us, we see this persistent widow who's just constantly going to this judge over and over and over and over again. And and Jesus is even leading up. He's even giving us a hint, a little bit of what this parable is supposed to be about, which sometimes he doesn't. He just jumps right into a parable and we got no clue and we're just trying to tread water a little bit here at least we've got a life preserver we know okay prayer let's let's keep this in mind to some extent and so then we think of well all the things that prayer is supposed to do prayer is powerful right prayers uh important just keep praying all the time that's not to say in any stretch of the imagination that we shouldn't 
Luther uh, encourages us very much so uh, to do so in the small catechism. Uh, Christ himself does so too. Um, pray without ceasing. But you, you did mention, Pastor Goodman, about uh, you, you made maybe a pot shot on prayer chains. Are, are all the, the retired folk who are on prayer chains, are, are you calling them bad for doing what they're doing? So, no, I'm not saying that it's bad to pray. Um, and, and you ought to pray. Uh, and, and even more, you ought to pray for the people that you care about. Uh, we're the body of Christ and individually members of it. When one member of the body hurts, all of us hurt. And when one of us rejoices, all of us rejoice. Luther kind of mentioned, you know, uh, uh, that you maybe don't think about your little toe all that much on an average day. But when you stub it, it becomes your whole world. Um, and in the same way, when the least of us hurts, we lose sleep over that. We care about that. And so we go to um, the source of comfort for peace in that, um, for, for, well, comfort in that. Uh, there's a difference between going to God looking for comfort and going to God looking for stuff. There's a difference between going to God because he's a good gift giver and going to him because he's the vending machine. You just sort of need to work up enough points so that you can get the chips you actually want. So you don't have to be near the vending machine anymore in the first place. Yeah, I think we might have mentioned this a little bit before, uh, in a different podcast episode. I don't know. They all blend together into one. Um, but, yeah, we, we like to take, uh, well, that, it's our favorite pastime to take Bible verses out of context and just uh, kind of make them say whatever we want to say. So kind of like the, uh, uh, the where two or three are gathered, there I am also. Uh, you mentioned before that that, it's kind of t talking about church discipline when when Jesus speaks about that one, <laughs> but but also uh, the, then also we have this uh, uh, this understanding of uh, you know pray the Lord will give you uh, pray in my name and the Lord will give it to you right um, I'm paraphrasing obviously but it, we have this misunderstanding of that with this one we do too we have this uh, understanding that we've got this persistent widow if we just pray enough if we just pray hard enough if we just have the right amount of people uh, on the prayer chain praying about the same thing uh, then god is forced to do it right if we can get a hundred people uh, to pray for this uh, then then he will be forced to do it he'll be forced to move his hand that says more about him than it does about us doesn't it uh, that what that he's just uh, he just plays uh, democracy, right? Well, that God only helps the popular kids, and so he, he can sit in heaven and uh, maybe drop you down a care package if you have enough um, resources to, to conjure up the prayers. Like God sits in heaven and is like, you know, little Timmy should definitely have cancer, and the only way I'll change my mind is if he can conjure up a hundred other people to tell me otherwise. But I think Timmy should be able to do that. Everybody likes Timmy. Um, but yeah, it does say an awful lot about God. It, but maybe it says even more about us what we think God is. Right? I think that's my favorite part about this parable. Is it's just kind of a gut check with the thing that nobody actually wants to come out and say. That, that we're, which we're, is what? Secret, which we're is secretly what? convinced that God um, is kind of a meanie pants. That, that God uh, is... Uh, that's a horrible, horrible title. I don't have any other good ones uh, that are appropriate for this podcast. Um, <laughs> that, that God is not as eager to give as we are. That, that we're actually far more merciful than him. Uh, because after all, I can find a whole bunch of strangers on Facebook who are willing to take 10 seconds out of their day to throw up a prayer. But God, who could fix it in way less time than that, doesn't seem to want to. Yeah, those prayer hands, they, they do a lot uh, on Facebook. Um, 
it does have have something to say about that, right? The way in which we might view God and and his his uh, ability or desire or willingness to listen to us, it kind of goes back to the Old Testament, and and we see it play out in a more spectacular fashion in the Old Testament with with pagans and heathens, because uh, when the Lord sets up like the the sacrificial system within the tabernacle. Uh, when you look at the book of Leviticus, uh, he sets up very specific, this is what you're going to sacrifice people. And why are you going to sacrifice this? So that you can know that I am pleased in your sacrifice. So you're going to bring a lamb. That's what you're going to bring. You don't have to bring 18 lambs. You don't have to bring 22 lambs and have your friends bring a couple goats along with you. You bring this lamb for the burnt offering and we're good. Because I actually said so. And so uh, the onus is on me, not on you. But you look at all the pagan cults around that area. Um, or goodness, this is how all of our lives are. Our thought process is if we bring more things to God, he will be moved to do what we want. So like a, like a right? transaction. Exactly. If, if I bring, I mean, one bull is good. But if I bring 10 bulls and I sacrifice That's them 10 to goods. God. That's 10 goods, which is 10 times as good as the first good ever was good. Right? You have this checking out for me. Yeah. So this is the, this is the thought process, the, the natural inclination. And then when, we, then when we hear this parable, and Jesus says, right, uh, to pray and not lose our heart. Always you ought to pray and, and not lose heart. And here's this persistent widow. So be just like that persistent widow, and you know what? Uh, God will have to uh, do what she says. It's kind of—I don't know if I, I want that God. There's there's not a lot of hope, uh, or maybe there is hope, but there's not a lot of comfort in there, because you're not really sure where that bar is, right? I don't know. I don't know how many days I have to come in and pray, like the persistent widow. I don't know how many bulls I have to actually bring. Because God's just going to be silent until until I hit that right number. I don't like that. So you're talking about prayers. If it's an awful big burden and not a gift. That's, how, that's what we turn it into. That's what the sinful flesh turns it into. Right. right? But that's always what we do with God's law. Um, God gives his law as a gift and we treat it like a curse. That's, that's what we do with everything of God's. Is we turn it into a burden. Right? Yeah. No, keep going with that because I cut you off. No, um, so so if God gives his law because things are actually supposed to go this way and they go better when we do, um, and, and we're not willing to actually find the fullness in Christ, well, then of course it, it's on us to do it. But if you want to live by the law, everything's transactional. If you want to live by the law, everything's about um, how can I sort of maximize my returns? And instead of a God who starts a prayer like our Father who art in heaven, um, which wouldn't be about demanding things from God or, or bullying God or, or finding ways to buy things from God. But um, I don't know what these words. Our Heavenly Father invites us to believe that he is our true father and we are his true children. So with all boldness and confidence, we would ask him as dear children, ask their dear father. My kids don't have to come to me to beg as a transaction. They come to me looking for comfort. They come to me looking for hope. It's like when my daughter has a bad dream in the middle of the night and she starts crying out i'm like yeah i'm not getting out of bed until she screams at least five times and i'm i'm a sinner um i'm i'm usually up on the first one uh but how much more for god who actually loves us without sin 
if, if God invites us to pray as, as we would talk to our, our father who, who loves us, that's a different kind of thing than how do I badger somebody into getting what I want. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, okay, so we need to have the appropriate and proper understanding of what prayer is. Prayer is a gift. Not, not a prayer as a transaction, not a prayer as uh, the, uh, the money in which we are able to accomplish that which we desire. Nothing like that. It's just this prayer is this gift. So let's dive into this parable finally. Uh, and you've got this, you've got this uh, persistent widow and, and you have this unjust judge, right? And it, it's, it's clear in both, in both parts because this woman is consistently consistently at this judge's uh, seat, just badgering him over and over and over again. And she, what is, what is she asking justice. for? Justice. Give me justice against my adversary. Give me justice against my adversary. Uh, presum- pr- presumably, uh, what she's doing is she, she's going in there and she's presenting her case, right? Which is what you do in a courtroom. And, and that's what you would do to a normal judge as well. Uh, what's the odd thing uh, about this judge, Pastor uh, Harrison? <laughs> You're so respectful. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's two things that are kind of weird. One, um, that the judge, who is so clearly the God figure in this parable, is a jerk, uh, a meanie pants. Um, but two, that even though this God, or I mean this, this judge, uh, neither fears God nor respects man, for some reason, he keeps sitting down to listen to this widow who wants nothing more than to bother him. I, I wouldn't even put it before that step. Hmm. He's an individual who uh, neither fears God. He's a judge who neither fears God nor respects man. Right? Is that, is that how right. it puts it? Um, and yet he's a judge. And especially in that day and age, right? So when Jesus was speaking to the, to the Jews there, uh, any judge w- would, al- would also automatically be connected with uh, religious, right? Okay. So it wouldn't just just be uh, detached from there, like when we go to our, our judicial system and, and there's, there's no amount of, of God in there whatsoever. So the fact that this judge uh, couldn't care less about uh, uh, who God is and what God has to say about anything and doesn't respect man whatsoever, uh, he doesn't seem to be a very good judge, does he? No, he, he seems to be pretty bad at what he does. He seems to be a, a complete corrupt awful judge and and then we have to pause here because that does that does seem weird it we it seems weird that jesus would would tell a parable in this way um and then like you said when you play it out it turns out that this guy seems to be seems to be who god yeah right jesus Jesus would tell a parable where the god figure is um seemingly the enemy yeah, or at least the or at least the worst guy in, in in the whole story, right? I know there's only two, but goodness, you're 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 much more sympathetic uh, and, and much more willing to, to hang out with with the uh, persistent persistent widow. You know what I think when I uh, think of this persistent widow? I've got I've got a, a picture in mind. Um, uh, Sophia Petrio. You know, you certainly you know who Sophia is. All right, so in the 80s, um, there was this show called The Golden Girls. Mm. Oh, and I, that's the, the, the reason. I'm not a baby boomer. I understand. 
But you don't have to be a baby boomer to like yeah. Uh, to like Betty White and Beatrice Arthur, do you? Betty White is a cultural icon that transcends generations. Ex but, uh, exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm sure there's some of our listeners uh, who have t-shirts of Betty White. Anyways, uh, we'll so you had, of them next you, had, time see them. <laughs> you had Golden Girls. If you remember the premise of Golden Girls, right? It, it was uh, three, uh, I think it was three widows, or at least one, I don't know. There's a couple widows. Uh, but the the one that I liked the most was Sophia. She was the old one, like As of, of the three to. old <laughs> of the three old ladies. She was the old lady, uh, and I could just picture. And she was just a spitfire, right? Whatever she did, she was just a spitfire. She didn't care a lick about anything else, and she would just go and do whatever she needed to do. This is this is who I think of when I think of this persistent widow. If you have no idea who I'm talking about, people, uh, just Google and. and uh, 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 Sophia uh, from the Golden Girls and you'll have a picture in your eye and then every time you, you read this you'll be like yeah that's her that's the one it is <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> oh, COVID so so we've uh, we've got this persistent widow. We've got Sophia I'm just going to call her Sophia from here on out we got Sophia uh, who's coming uh, day and night What's the what's the interesting thing about widows uh, from that cultural perspective as well? And this is some of the issues that that we have reading two thousand years removed of of some of these parables, kind of like with the uh, uh, with the prodigal son. We don't get the fullness of why it's so crazy that he was uh, feeding pigs and, and, and other things. Uh, here we don't get the fullness of of what it was like to be a widow there. Um, what what's some of the issues with widows? They're they're alone. Um, their their husbands are dead. Uh, I, in, in all reality, though, this was a, a time when that mattered more, um, and so society yeah. would actually reach out more to them, not less. Uh, this is before nursing homes, where we could just sort of put the people we don't want to have to deal with on a regular basis out of sight. Um, but we were actually called to help the least of these when Jesus would would give us this this uh, well command. Um, yeah, that was put in place for for uh, your family to, to to deal with these widows, and there was also you're right. There were some uh, some systematic ways in which the government would would help these these widows too, and the church too. Um, but from a legal standpoint, uh, these these women really didn't have a leg to stand on. Like they, it, unless they were underneath the, the house of their of their uh, husband or underneath the house of uh, another male family member. Uh, they didn't have any sort of uh, legal recourse. Uh, we, we see that being played out in, in, uh, with Ruth and Esther, right? In the Old Testament sort of stuff. Um, I, I think we should have the same understanding here because this widow doesn't have, uh, this widow doesn't have her, her uh, oldest son or, another, or her brother coming in and speaking on, on her behalf. She's, she's forced to do this on her own, right? And so, from my perspective, she's she's coming in here uh, without really any any legal backing whatsoever. Uh, she may be right. She may be wrong. Uh, in in re not I'm not doing a Billy Joel. No, I'm not doing a Billy Joel uh. reference. <laughs> uh, she she could be on either side of this coin, right? But um, it doesn't really matter in the eyes of the judge. Mm -hmm. For, for, for two points, even if he was a regular judge, uh, 
just the fact that she was a widow, uh, there, there would be nothing there. So she's coming in and saying, give, him, give me justice. Maybe she actually needs that justice. Maybe that justice should be hers and she's right all along. Even if it is, uh, she's got no legal backing for it. Add on to that, right? Compound that with the fact that she's coming before this judge uh, that uh, couldn't give two licks whether or not uh, she should be given this justice. Mm -hmm. The justice has absolutely nothing to do with her. He couldn't care less. He's just sitting there listening to her argument. Let's just pretend, give it the benefit of the doubt that it was a right argument. He's still sitting there saying, I don't care. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. It has nothing to do with what you're presenting, what you think you have earned and what you think you've deserved. I don't care. I'm not rendering any single verdict in your favor, which is crazy, right? Yeah, it's a bad judge. Yeah, he's not good at his job. Um, but then how does he actually render or why does he render uh, a verdict, Pastor Gibbons. It's, it's really only out of frustration. It's not out of mercy. It's out of self-servantness. Self-servantness? Out of self-centeredness. That's word. I like the first okay. one. <laughs> um, yeah, and this, let's, take a, let's take away the actual specificity of that. Um, it, it's completely outside of, of this woman. Right, he's not taking a look at, at the uh, at the arguments of the court case. Uh, goodness, for all we know, he hasn't even brought up the other defendant to, to defend him or herself. Uh, it's just this widow coming saying, "Give me justice, give me justice. I'll be back tomorrow. Give me justice." And finally, outside of anything that she's ever done, out for for any of her sake, it's 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 for his sake and his sake alone. He's saying, "All right, I'll render justice." To you i'll render a a good verdict for you now in that part right there i think this is where we start finally catching a glimpse of how we can turn this uh this text this parable because remember parables are mysteries mysteries are of the gospel the gospel is of christ um so it's of of christ and not of the law so this isn't, Jesus isn't giving us uh, a 10-step a program on how to uh, get God to do what, he, what we want or him to do. steps 1 through 10 are annoy him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or even if those were symbolic of something else, right? That's, that's not what he's, he's doing here. I think, I truly do believe that, that this is speaking of the, the gospel in and of itself. Uh, there, there's a word here that's entirely of the gospel. Um, it's, it's the whole point of what this, this woman is after. She's after justice. Your justice before God is not of the law, but of the gospel. Uh, that, that God uh, has given justice speedily to the elect. That's a given. Uh, when Jesus tells them this parable, it's not about how to get what you want. It's how to not lose heart. Uh, yeah. In fact, as he closes down the parable, he, he laments, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This isn't going to be measured in, have you gotten everything that you bothered God about? This is going to be measured in, is God the source of all goodness to you? Is God the, the I yeah. fear, love, and trust in him? God. Yeah, I want, I, I want, yeah, exactly. I want to get there because, because that's inevitably where this, this, this ends up. This isn't, this isn't a 10-step program sort of thing. This is of the gospel. And so we sit there, finally, we get to this point where we're like, okay, this woman is getting what she asked for, 
but not because of the merits of her own uh, her her own case, right? It has nothing to do with her whatsoever. It has everything to do with what seems to be just the arbitrary notion of this judge. It seems to be uh, something that is contrary to being a judge, something that's contrary to being a a um, anything of the law. It's it's just yeah, for my own sake, I'm gonna do this. I'm I'm going to give you justice. Maybe we can even, I don't know, extrapolate this out a little bit and say, I'm going to justify you for my sake and not for yours. And isn't this the way that we always come about things? Whether it's with prayer, the sinful flesh in ours, whether it's with prayer, uh, asking for our daily bread, which we are called to ask for, or whether it's uh, prayer asking uh, that we're not led into temptation or that he delivers from evil, it's, it's always with this onus of, of, of us and, and what we've earned and what we think we deserve and, and what we think God should put forward before us. None of those things have to do with justice. If you really want to go by justice, uh, you don't deserve anything from God. Uh, but if you really want to go by justification, you already have it all. Yeah, exactly. If, if you want to be justified, if you want to be given uh, this this godly justice, which it, it appears to be something that's different than from what the law is going to demand, because this judge couldn't care less, right? He's an unjust judge. He's an unruly, unjust judge that nobody would want to actually be there judging their case. This is the last guy that I would want. If I actually had the case, like if 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 all the evidence was in my favor, this was the last guy that I would want to bring it to because it seems like this guy's going to take some underhanded dealing under the table and behind closed doors, right? It seems like he is going to uh, he's going to uh, render a verdict based on something other than the the proof that I'm bringing why I'm right, mm-hmm. and in the end, I I think the gospel. Uh, speaks to that, and I think that's that's kind of what's going to be bringing me a little bit of comfort in this, so that I can come, hopefully not just a little bit, I can come uh, to my Lord, even though I'm going to be like a persistent widow, um, in, in in two ways, uh, just a confident sort of thing, which is good, just confidently come, but also the sinful flesh of mine might come as this persistent widow uh, with believing that I'm, I'm calling out for justice, but I, I've got no backing. I've got no reason uh, to believe that God is going to give this to me except for his own sake. There's the comfort right there, right? There's the fact that when Jesus says they ought to pray always and not lose heart. Why Why am I not going to lose heart? It's not because that if, if I pray enough and if I'm consistent enough, I'm going to finally wear God down and he's finally going to give me what I want. It's because he's going to be a judge and he's going to uh, proclaim to me a verdict based completely and entirely outside of me. It's going to be in him. It's going to be in Christ. That's what it's going to be. And so there's the question, like you brought up earlier, Pastor, Pastor Goodman. Uh, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this faith on earth? Well, what's the faith that he's talking about? I'm convinced that it's the faith of saved by grace through faith. And this is not of works. That's the only faith. It's a gift of God. That's the only faith. There are no others. 
Exactly. Exactly. It, this is the faith that, that he's asking. He's like, this is the only thing there is. This is the only way in which the judge is going to render a verdict in your favor. So, for that, that yeah. So, so when we we approach God, then, um, well, we can start to assume something about prayer. Then, it's not about stuff; it's about comfort. It's about the God who has already rendered this justice. It's about the God who has already promised to deal mercifully. Uh, it's about the God who, quite frankly, will not go by what you deserve, by what you've earned, or by how much you badger him but the God who's already rendered this justice upon the cross, so that as we pray to him, we wouldn't measure God's faithfulness by stuff, but by his, his resurrection from the dead, by your, by your baptism, by all the places he's actually made promises to you. Yeah, so the, the losing heart part is going in confidence, knowing every single time that I come to my Lord in prayer, he is dealing with me apart from what I deserve. What a, Good. What a yeah, that's the best thing in the world. <laughs> what a wonderful thing that he's going to be somebody who's uh, apparently unjust. And he's going to give me what he desires to give me. That's great. There's nothing better than that. Yeah, I can't top it. Guys, for the, for the, last, for the last 15 minutes, I've been staring at Skype. And Pastor Goodman's been texting I on this not. Either that, or he's been playing That's Tetris. That's the thing that one I've of the done. two. Yes, um, everybody knows what Tetris is. <laughs> no, I've been checking the weather. Um, there's a, a big storm front rolling in, and I got hailed on yesterday night on the way home from church, and so I'm hoping it doesn't happen again. Yeah, whatever. Likely story. All right, guys. Um, yeah, maybe you like that one. Hopefully, I. I pray you like that one. Keep keep doing it until we're annoyed with you, by all means. <laughs> what's uh, what's next? I, I we've only got like four or five. Yeah, left, we are right? coming down. Thanks, thanks, thanks be to God. Uh, we've got the parable of the wicked tenants next. Ah, yes, the wicked tenants. So now we're 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 easing into the, all these parables of judgment, right? This is we've we've kind of worked semi chronologically assuming if you're kind of working through the the uh, gospels and and saying that those are perfectly chronological um we've kind of worked that way chronologically through those so the rest of the the uh the rest of the parables here we're, we're gonna there's gonna be a little bit of a a change in tone here we're gonna hear about these wicked tenants and we're gonna hear about gnashing of teeth Weeping. i've never gnashed my teeth you've never listened to this podcast then it's true. I haven't. Uh, all right. Come out. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again Your heart is true You're a pal and a confidant And if you threw a party He invited everyone you knew 
you would see the biggest gift would be from me and the card attached would say thank you for being a friend boom boom